It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. And picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Bell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. Lots of questions. And for that, of course, we welcome in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag. Next series of questions comes in from a guy who calls himself the Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Okay. And this is a real interesting stream of consciousness that is, I guess, meant as a series of gotchas against us. But I want to answer this anyway, because why not? So he starts out with, would you rather have Sam Darnold or Quentin Nelson and three premium second round draft choices? As of right now, Darnold, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm taking the quarterback. Exactly. And it has nothing to do with Quentin Nelson, who's a damn fine player, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. But A, he's a guard and B, Sam Darnold is a quarterback. So if you believe in his talent and think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback, you still want Darnold, even with the three second round picks. He continues with a clear starting quarterback surplus in the sport. Isn't paying Sam Darnold 25 plus million foolish when you can sign a quarterback for half of that who can give you similar production? I'm unaware of this starting quarterback surplus. Maybe you know something about this, Chris. And as far as the $25-plus million being foolish and you can get somebody for half that, I'm not really sure which quarterback you're getting for $12 million. It's going to give you similar production. But again, this assumes that Sam Darnold doesn't get any better. If you believe that he's plateaued and he doesn't get any better from here, then the entire valuation of him before the draft was wrong, and this all becomes moot. But you have to go based on your evaluations, and we've talked about this before. A lot of really smart football people, including you heard Dan Orlovsky on here, among many others, talk about how Darnold was the most talented quarterback in that draft class. I believe Charlie Casserly surveyed the 32 general managers and something like 24 of them had Darnold as their number one quarterback. The bottom line is you can only go based on what you scouted. But the point here is if you think Darnold will not get any better, then sure, I suppose you could make the case that it's not worth it to give him $25 million. But I think he's definitely going to get better. And by the way, Teddy Bridgewater, who played a handful of games for the Saints, but before that hadn't played about three years, just got $21 million. So I'm not really sure who you're getting for half of the $25 million. Chris, what do you think about this? Do you know anything about a quarterback surplus that I'm unaware of? And do you think you could get a similar quarterback for $12 million? Uh, um, where's this quarterback surplus? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't see this quarterback surplus. Is it better than it was, you know, five years ago? Sure, of course. Um, but not by not anything like that, no. 
uh, nowhere near quarterback surplus, and I, I don't know what uh, he thinks the going rate on uh, quarterbacks is, but uh, the Michael Jeffrey Jordan, there, there's no Scottie Pippen out there that you're going to get on a cheap deal like that. Um, that's not how it works. You have backups going for for twelve million. Like that, you're not getting a good starter for less for twelve million. It's, it's not happening. You can get outlier years like the Ryan Fitzpatrick year. You can get uh, the Josh McCown year. You can get those occasionally, but that's not going to do anything for you long term. This quarterback surplus must be why Dak Prescott's about to make $40 million. He continues, how incompetent are people like Joe Caparoso who wanted to pay Le'Veon Bell at any cost? I don't know that Joe wanted to dip into his own pockets and pay Le'Veon Bell, but sure. Why isn't there more literature about the poor business decision that it is to pay a running back that much money in the modern NFL? First of all, I don't know what you mean by literature, but I assume you mean more things written and by that standard, there's plenty of people that have talked about why it's not wise to pay a running back. But here's why Le'Veon Bell was the exception. Because A, he was an absolute elite player at the peak of his powers. B, the Jets desperately needed an offensive playmaker. And Bell fit the bill. Within that rookie window, the Jets had $100 million to spend. And they had to get impactful offensive players bell was easily the best one he was far better of an offensive playmaker than any of the wide receivers that were available in free agency and he's not just a running back he's also an excellent receiver not only by running back standards but he can run real routes i think part of the problem is none of us realize the extent to which adam gase was going to de-emphasize him and not use him properly and people will talk about the amount of carries it's not about that it's about the way he was used. They should have lined him up as a wide receiver far more often. Lord knows they could have used the extra help there as the receivers did struggle at times. And you had somebody like Demarius Thomas getting a ton of targets. I think that it was just a matter of the way things lined up and the fact that he wasn't used properly. And also the other thing is I don't think anybody realized the offensive line was going to be this bad. Like We knew they weren't going to be good, but they did sign Khalil, so you figured there would at least be an upgrade there. And you didn't realize that they were going to be arguably the absolute worst offensive line in the entire league. So that's what I think the rationale was behind the Le'Veon Bell signing. It didn't work out in year one. We'll see what happens in year two. But there's certainly sound reasoning for thinking it was a good idea. And Joe wasn't alone, by the way. There were plenty of people that thought it was a good idea. And yes, generally not a good idea to pay a running back, but we explained the reasons why the timing and all that matched up and why this was an exception to that rule. Yeah, and Joe said this. I said this at the time. You said this at the time. We were all very much, yes, we are all firmly entrenched in the don't pay running backs camp. But there's exceptions to every rule. And with the amount of money that they had, the lack of playmakers that they had, the fact that Darnold was going into year two, the fact that even though not, none of the three of us specifically that we're talking about, you, me, or Joe, were uh, big fans of Gase or had high expectations for Gase, we didn't expect him to misuse, uh, uh, to use him, uh, Olivier Bell that badly. Um, he, they needed playmakers. There was no wide receivers available on the market that were worth anything. He, like you said, he's better than all of them. Uh, 
if the offensive line was just better, if Adam Gase used him in a little more creative ways, and it's not even really that creative, just if you just looked at how the Steelers used him and tried to use him some of that and lined him out wide at receiver more, that would have made a huge difference. But Adam Gase stubbornly clung to refuse to do that. And as much as I doubted Gase before the hire and then when they hired him, I didn't expect him to be that stubborn to not use his best offensive weapon uh, in the way that his best offensive weapon should use. I I figured for self-preservation alone that he would use Le'Veon Bell in some better ways, but I was naive and I was wrong. Michael Jeffrey Jordan continues, what's the difference between Mike McCagnan getting killed by Jets media for drafting 24-year-old Nathan Shepard in the third round and Joe Douglas drafting Ashton Davis and getting praise for it when Davis turns 24 years old on October 9th? Because it's not just about the age. Nathan Shepard, all due respect to him, and he played much better last year to his credit, was somebody who nobody had ever heard of. He had basically wandered in from a nothing college in Canada, had a good week at the Senior Bowl, and the next thing you know, the Jets are picking him in the third round at age 24. Ashton Davis was a two-time All-Pac-12 selection, one of the best safeties in the entire country. In fact, you heard Brett Coleman on this show say that he had Ashton Davis as his number one safety. He's an elite athlete. He was a two-time All-Pac-12 track selection as well. So it's not apples to apples here. It's not just one guy's 24 years old, the other guy's 24 years old. They were both picked in the third round. Therefore, why did you praise one guy and crush the other guy? Totally different prospects. Ashton Davis was somebody that most people had as a top 40 or top 50 prospect. Yeah, that that is all very well said. Also, here's the thing. Uh, Mike McCagan had a habit of doing this consistently. It's It seemed like all of almost all of his guys, except for the first round picks, were older guys. And they didn't pan out year after year after year. Um, so if Ashton Davis doesn't pan out and then Joe Douglas does it again next year with somebody else, and then that guy doesn't pan out and then he does it the year later with a couple other guys and that guy, those guys don't pan out, then you're going to see the same exact reaction. And also maybe it's just the people I follow, but I saw plenty of people getting on Joe Douglas for drafting the older dudes as well. So it's, it's not, maybe the media wasn't doing it, but I saw plenty of people doing it and I understand it, but I, I, it's his first year here. And yes, everything you said about Ashton Davis and look at the tape and you see, and that was in the pac 12, not in Canada, just a small school in Kansas. Like, yeah, there's, there's a difference there. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began 
began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next part of the question from Michael Jeffrey Jordan. With the Jets franchise wasting Darnold's cheap salary years, how bad was the Darnold trade up in 2018? Why won't anyone covering the Jets admit the trade was a bad move? You don't draft a rookie QB onto a bad team. You draft them onto a ready-made team such as Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, etc. See, I don't know what you're talking about here. First of all, if Sam Darnold turns out to be an excellent quarterback, then I don't see how you can say it was a bad trade. But more to the point... Yeah, ideally you'd love to get a guy on a ready-made team, but generally a quarterback prospect as good as Sam Darnold isn't available past a certain point in the draft. And that's why teams that are bad get guys like that. You go back and you look at the players that were drafted that were excellent quarterbacks that were really high. Carson Palmer went to a horrendous Bengals team, but that Bengals team turned into a really good team. The Chargers, a team that got Phillip Rivers, they were a terrible team the year that they drafted Phillip Rivers. You could go on and on down the line with this. Cam Newton with the Panthers is another example. The theory here is that you draft a young quarterback and then you build the roster around him and they all grow together. And Chris and I were talking about this before we started recording. A good example of this would be the Seattle Seahawks. Now, it doesn't matter whether you draft a guy in the first round or the third round, still a rookie quarterback that you're trying to build around for his rookie contract, right? The Seahawks were starting to put pieces in place. They were drafting well around Russell Wilson, and the fact that they had that infusion of youth along with him is what made the Seahawks a really good team. And the theory of drafting a young potential franchise quarterback is that you're going to build that roster around him. The reason that this doesn't look as good as it would if the Jets had done better in the draft is because by not hitting on picks in the draft, which is what Mike McCagnan failed to do far more often than not, is that now you don't have that base of talent to build around Sam Darnold and push that roster and push that team forward. So if anything, the real villain here is McCagnin for not being able to execute the plan properly. If you have a general manager that you don't feel can build around a franchise quarterback, then you've already lost. You might as well just fire the guy in the first place. The whole point is 
you build around that quarterback and you make smart moves to build up the roster. The Rams are another team that's a good example. Look at what they did around Jared Goff. But the point is to get a quarterback prospect as good as Sam Darnold, typically you're a bad team and that's why you're in position to get that guy in the first place. Yeah, it makes no sense to argue that you don't draft a quarterback until you have a good team because if you have the good team, unless something like really fluky happens, like when the Colts ended up taking Andrew Luck because Peyton Manning just got hurt the year before. Um, you know, basketball, you can go and look at uh, how the Spurs got Tim Duncan that that year they, they drafted him, and then they were able to pair him with David Robinson right off the bat. But it was because Robinson got injured the year before. Um, so it has to be a really fluky situation for you to have a good team built in of, to get that high of a pick. So if you're suggesting that you can only ever draft quarterbacks when you already have the team ready for him, then you better be able to hit on one of those quarterbacks drafting later because that's the only way you're going to do it. And yes, you can point at Patrick Mahomes who went 10th, by the way. It's not like he was some late gem. You can point at uh, Russell Wilson or even Lamar Jackson or the rare, uh, you know, Tom Brady or even Tony Romo. You can, but you're going to spend, most GMs can spend 20, 30 years trying to draft that guy and miss every time. More often than not, you're getting the Christian Hackenberg, the Bryce Petty, um, that the Greg McElroy's like that's what's going to happen. You, if you are in position to draft a quarterback and you think he has elite traits and the potential to be that, you are going to draft him and you should draft him, and that's the end of the story. Now, how successful that quarterback will be ends up with how you build around him, and for. His first two years, he had he played behind one of the worst offensive lines in football with very few weapons to work with. Um, and not even mentioning the coaching, just those two factors alone. That is a much bigger problem for what has uh, plagued the Jets the last two years than Sam Darnold is the quarterback. Should also mention that Mahomes, Watson, and Lamar Jackson, who are frequently mentioned, they're all outliers because... Lamar Jackson is somebody that ended up getting picked at the end of the first round. If people had thought as highly of him as they thought of somebody like Sam Darnold, he would have gotten picked in the top five, and then any good team wouldn't have been able to get him. The only reason that the Chiefs were able to make that move up, and certainly the Houston Texans as well, is because there were question marks about both Mahomes and and Watson. With Watson, it was about his arm strength. And with Mahomes, everybody recognized that there was a lot of development that needed to get done. And so there was a lot of projection in terms of who he was going to be. He ended up having to sit a year. And the Chiefs had that luxury because they had Alex Smith. But if those guys were thought to be top five prospects, there's no way the Chiefs or the Texans are able to trade all the way up there. They just wouldn't have had the ammo to do it. So it's a faulty premise in a whole bunch of different ways. He finishes off by saying, why won't anyone within your media group, I don't even know who my media group is supposed to be, admit that the Sam Darnold move was a mistake, 
probably because we don't believe it was a mistake, or at least most of us don't. If you still believe that Darnold can become a top 10 quarterback, then there's no reason to think that this was a mistake. We can talk in a couple of years once we see how it ultimately shakes out. But for now, there's no reason to concede a mistake when we think that Darnold still has a chance to at the very least come close to hitting his ceiling. You draft quarterbacks in the first round to win with them on their cheap rookie contract. Jets never had a chance of winning during Darnold's rookie deal because the roster was trash. Why is this ignored? We just addressed this. It's a faulty premise because the idea was that they were going to be able to build the roster with him. They failed in that regard, but there was no way to know that that was going to happen. If you felt that the general manager wasn't going to be able to build around Darnold, then you were doomed to begin with, and you might as well just fold up the team and sell it or bankrupt it or take them to the CFL or whatever it is. If you have a general manager, you have confidence that he's going to be able to build up the roster around that rookie quarterback. Mike McCagnan failed to do that. Also, as far as the not being able to win with a quarterback who's not on his rookie contract, I'm curious to see what happens now over the next bunch of years. It's obviously a lot easier to do that. But I think the Patriots kind of skewed this a lot because if you think about it, there are a few teams that won with quarterbacks on their rookie deals. But most of the time it was the Patriots winning or at least getting to the Super Bowl. Now that Brady's out of the picture and we might see some different teams in there, I think there's a chance that we're going to see more veteran quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and not just Tom Brady. Yeah, and that also gets a little blown out too because if we're – I forget I saw something about this a while ago and it was like no quarterback that gets paid like 30 million. I forget the exact number, but it, and it was like, so, okay. So you're saying at 30 million is the threshold, but 29 is okay. Like, what are you going to do with that extra $1 million? That's really going to help your team. Let's even go to $5 million. Say you take off $5 million off the cat. That that's only going to get you so much that's bottom of the roster stuff like when this whole talk about a player quarterbacks can't eat up that much of the cap no bad quarterbacks or average quarterbacks can't eat up that much of the cap good quarterbacks Mm -hmm. can and it's now yes might it make it a little harder to build out the rest of the roster sure but that's the GM's job here. And this will I will stand by this no matter how the rest of Donald's career turns out. The pick of Donald was not a bad pick. It was the right pick to make. The only quest the only thing that was bad was everything else Mike McCagnan did to build the team around him. That's where Mike McCagnan failed. He didn't fail in getting Sam Donald. That was one of the few good things he did. Um he failed everything around him and that is the big problem but this idea that paying you don't want to pay good quarterbacks is silly to me look at the Cowboys and what they're trying to go and debate with Dak Prescott now now you're seeing a lot of numbers get thrown around Dak wants 40 this is that's just agent posturing negotiating through the public but if you go, I'm not going to miss out on Dak Prescott because of $3 million a year or $5 million a year. That I'd rather put that money towards a quarterback that I trust and believe in than to go and sprinkle that around on two other players at two and a half mil a piece. That's not going to help you as much as that quarterback will. 
The bottom line with all of this, Chris, is that if Sam Darnold becomes the guy that we think he can become, then it was a great move. If he doesn't, then it's going to look bad. And ultimately, no matter what happens, the fact that Mike McCagnan failed to build a strong roster around Darnold made it a heck of a lot harder on Sam Darnold. So it's really as simple as that. And with that, we'll wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd be really grateful. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.